Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. back on the things we say i'm sheldon and i'm nate so glad to be back on the podcast again this is a great hobby and a good time and a so. good time <laughs> it is that both of the things that you have said there you go and i am recently back from arizona yes which was fun kinda uh we'll get into that later but arizona is a very cool place i want to go back to there it is really weird and one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had where I drove two hours and the temperature changed by 20 degrees because I drove two hours north. And uh, and you changed elevation probably as well. Yes, yeah. And it got greener and less dry. So we went from Mesa, Phoenix, which is a suburb of Phoenix, uh, to... Uh, what was the... What was the ta- I don't remember the name of the town, but it was a, it was a lake... Uh, that I can't remember the name of. I feel so unprepared all of a sudden. All the things have left my <laughs> I head. I don't know. You Lake were there. Watson. Lake Watson oh. was what it was. And yeah, it was 109 degrees in Phoenix, and it was 88 degrees at Watson Lake. Still hot. Still hot, but very different. Very different. But yeah, it was incredibly hot there. And I know everybody says the dry heat thing, and I get it, but I still, it's like opening an oven. You walk out and you're like, it's, I'm standing in an oven is exactly what it feels like. <laughs> but it was nice. We had a place that had our own pool that was private and walled off and a, and a very nice Airbnb that we stayed in. And it was awesome. That part of it was really, really great. And we binge watched some net, Netflix and Hulu and it was good. Good stuff. That's what you should do on a it vacation. Was. It was. It was very nice. Um, I haven't <laughs> been on a vacation recently, but just burning a few vacation days here and there there you go it's good well i recommend arizona if you've never been (laughs) i haven't that was why we ended up there yeah it's because i'd never been there and kayla had not either there's a bunch of places out west that have not been i've basically been to colorado and california i have not been to colorado that's that's kind of on my bucket list to do colorado is great for several reasons one it is like you say there's not a ton of humidity yeah but the sky is almost always blue. It is amazing during the summer. And I haven't been out there during the winter, so I can't speak to it. But during the summer, you have no bugs. Yeah. You don't need screens in your window. You just leave leave them open. Yeah, there were that no... That is amazing. There were no flies. Yeah. Or Now, there were bees and some things like that. But, like, flies, gnats, mosquitoes, all those things. Nope. They did not exist there. No bugs. It, it was, was pretty cool. incredible. That was awesome. But they do have rattlesnakes and scorpions, so none of which I saw. Yeah, Colorado, I'm sure, has those <coughs> kinds of things, but I went hiking, didn't see anything that looked have, like it was too bitey or scary. They have bears. They have bears, I assume. I don't know. Colorado Maybe. seems like bear country to me. I know for sure I saw way more bears in Pennsylvania. Yeah, maybe it's more mountain lion country. Yeah, north, north central PA, black bears are very, very common. Yes. Yes. Well, we already discussed that on. Yes, we've discussed okay. how I feel about bears. Um, Let's not get into how that. How many lasting friendships do you think the average person has across their lifetime? Gosh, I have the number in front of me, according to what studies say. Okay, is this not including family? It says the average person forms this many lasting friendships across a lifetime. Okay. Based on my current track record, I'm going to say three. <laughs> three. See, I was in like the neighborhood of a dozen. Yeah. Like maybe a dozen people, like lasting friendships. This says on average it's 33. Wow. 
The well, average they, person forms 33 lasting friendships across the Well, lifetime. what do they define as lasting? I don't know. It's like, is it, does that include my children and my wife? I'll have to look up. Yeah, what, I'm curious. I'll have to source this back. Yeah, I'm curious what the metrics are for that one. I don't know. It says 33, which I would think maybe I'm on the low side then. Well, I think that most people should be on the low side of that. Ah. There's probably so people maybe who, what we're counting as lasting friendships. Because I'm literally thinking of, of people who, like, early high school and beyond. Oh, but that's people that needed to know you for your whole life. I think this is more like I form a friendship with someone and that friendship is going to last. There's there's a couple people I can think of that it's like but the we only- wouldn't have seen each other for like three, four years. And as soon as we see each other, we just pick up where we left off yeah. and keep going. That's and I would, last in, and I would include that. But again, because I'm not dead yet, my only experience is what I have previously known versus what I know and will know in the future. So, yes, I may have relationships that I have formed in the last several years that will last the rest of my life. But I don't know that. I do know the ones that have lasted from childhood slash high schoolish age to now. And those are lasting by time and test versus assumption. Yeah. If that makes sense. But yes, I see what you're saying. You're you're saying the over the arc of someone's entire life yeah. that they have that. Over that makes lifetime. sense to me yeah. as opposed lifetime. to thirty seven year old me and my life to this point, my lifetime to this point. Yeah. That's different. But yeah, it would have probably it would have been three for me. Because that would have included <laughs> my brother. Because we're tight still and have been because, you know, siblings and my cousin Ross, who we've always been really, really tight ever right. since we were little kids. And then I would probably include well four because I would have to include Eric Heller and Bailey Alexander both in that right. as right. people that are regularly a part of my life. Oh, I still. think you could get there. <clears throat> but yeah, I think if I kept going through the list, I would probably find more than I would assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if you move like the average person moves a job like every three and a half years or something yeah. change jobs you just pick up one or two friends at each job you should be good there you go yeah interesting there you go thank you for that yeah was that um, a did you know that was the did you know there you go the now i know. know i have been informed 33 <laughs> um so the funniest headline that i've seen in since we did the podcast last <laughs> was this one the U.S. State Department expresses concern over all-male Taliban government. <sighs> I think I sent this to you, and all yeah. I did was underline Taliban. <laughs> and it was a real article, right? It's a real article <sighs> written by a real news source. And then and the news uh, outlet that put this out was also concerned that somehow women were not being included in the Taliban government, mm. to which the Taliban replied... Women are for birthing. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. They can go to school. They will just be separate school where they're taught by women and also probably not funded. You can, you can be in charge of the women. Oh, man. Journalism has been dead ever since Walter Cronkite quit. I've also been to this same fundamentalist Baptist church where I know. the women can be taught by women. Isn't isn't that an odd thing? Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I shouldn't you know, call but, out specific. Uh, but it is, but it is true. Well, you didn't call out a specific denomination. That's a oh, wi- they're independent. That's, that's right. a that's a wide umbrella <laughs> still. But it is interesting to me how much hatred you would have between a hardcore fundamentalist Christian and a hardcore fundamentalist Muslim. But how many things they would actually agree on, but they would also still hate each other 100%, even though they would agree on a lot of things as well. It's kind of a funny deal. Yeah. Yeah. Rock music is bad. Yes. Western clothes are... But they like rocks. Too (laughs) promiscuous or something. Yes. Or too worldly. Yes. I don't know. How would you describe clothing that's out of bounds? I don't (laughs) know. I'm struggling with that right now. Normal? (laughs) Normal clothing. <laughs> oh, geez. But yeah, I have been struck by that for a while, that they have a lot of odd similarities that they probably don't even realize. <clears throat> Not that you've gotten two of yeah. those fundamentalist crews in one room together ever to you know go over notes. I just, I just think 
it's very interesting the number of people that are shocked at what the Taliban does because they're too young to remember what the Taliban mm. was. was, what they did, who they have been, <laughs> and then we just willy-nilly handed a whole country over to so, them and we're like, well, you know, there's really nothing we can do. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Let me drop some knowledge here. <laughs> some wisdom from your Uncle Nate. Here you go. So here's the thing. This is why these things happen. Because you have well-meaning people who I will put in a more progressive social camp. Right. And they legitimately believe that the only reason that people have disadvantages or that they have problems or that they act out in a way that is less than good, the only reason that happened is because of lack of education, lack of opportunity, and lack of resources. That's the trifecta. Oh, you didn't have opportunity, you didn't have resources, and you did, were not educated. That is why you think, act, or do a certain or thing. Or something has always been around holding them down. There's something that... By, by withdrawing from you resources, education, right. and okay. like... So those are always... That's always the foundation. thing. And they don't thing. have the power to change. Yes. So that's the thing. Even when you have people in fundament, fundamentalist Islam that will tell you exactly what they hate, exactly why they hate it, and exactly what they're going to do about it, these people look at them and say, no, 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 you just need to be educated, properly funded, and I forget what the third one is now, it suddenly escaped my brain, but everybody f rewind it 30 seconds and you can remind me of what I said. But, um, and so they look at them and say, no, 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 you just need this thing, so let's give you money, and let's, let's give you Resources. a seat at the table, and let's give you, like, let's educate you. And then they turn around and use the very things to do the thing that they told you up front they were going to do, because they cannot accept that people actually have an ideology that is based in you are evil yeah. and I need to destroy you. Yeah. They can't accept that. And it's really, unfortunately, it kind of is, is, is very much a demeaning thing when you really think about it. No, no, no. What you say doesn't matter. This is what you actually mean. You just don't know it. I mean, that's, that's pretty belittling. <clears throat> and again, I think most people, it's very well-meaning. I don't, I don't think that most right. people with a progressive bent are, are, content to see things fall apart and devolve as they have in Afghanistan here of late. But ultimately that's what it comes down to when your worldview is that these have to be the three things that cause people to not be good because people are basically good. Then you have problems and you can't accept the reality that's right in front of you. Yeah. I, I mean, my personal opinion is that I don't think the war in Afghanistan should have lasted this long. No. I think you use the military to do what they're good at. Then right. that's killing and breaking things. Right. If you need some, uh, you need somebody, some people killed, and you need stuff broken. They're that's your what guys, the military's for. and they yes. should be able to do that. And yes. then you bring them back. Yeah. And you leave a pretty significant message about how things are going to go. Yeah. If you attack us, I get that. Totally. But like this whole nation building thing, I think is yeah. falling flat on its face. Yeah. You can't you can't go in and do nation building. No, we also can't keep running with our hat in the hands to the UN, where China sits on the UN uh, Human Rights Civil, Council. Human Rights yeah. Council, and it's like, <coughs> well, there's lots of human rights abuses going in, on in the world. We should correct that. Let me go ask the people that have literal concentration camps yeah. and are committing genocide in their own country. Yeah. What do you guys think is the right thing to do? Yeah. I, well, we don't authorize it. Okay. Well, guess <coughs> our hands are tied. We really tried. Right. That that's what killed me about um, the the lady that had been in North Korea mm. um, that escaped North Korea when she was a teen. I, her name is escaping me right now, but she was on Rogan recently. She's she's written a book, and I'd heard of her before. Oh, come on. What is her name? Anyway, um, she escaped North Korea and she had gone to the UN and they had her up there giving her testimony before the UN and they sat her beside the North Korean delegation at the UN. And this is an all male delegation. And she's a young woman with no security right. whatsoever. She was fearful about even going to this place to speak. And the whole place sat her beside the UN and they said, Beside the, the North Korean delegation, they're like, well, they're from your region. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, nobody cares about that. <laughs> she oh, was man. terrified the whole entire time that they were going to kidnap her and take her back. Yeah. 
because that's what happens to people that defect. Right. I, yeah. And again, it is. It's based, and this is why you 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 struggle with. I do. I struggle. Like not all cultures are created equal. Not all. Well, all all people have equal value. I mean, they absolutely do. But certain things, you know, it's like you look at you look at Islam, like. Islam needs a reformation. They need what happened to the Catholic Church during the Reformation. Yes, it was bloody and brutal and a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff got ironed out and a lot of civility came to right. the Christian Church of that. And they need that. They do need that. Um, and to be frank, they have been around a short enough time that right now is about the time they would need to be doing that. People always think of Islam as an ancient religion, and it is not. It it does not. It is the newest of the trifecta of the Mosaic religions. They are, they've been around the shortest. I mean, it was, what, <clears throat> 680, something like that? I think it was further in than that. But either way, it's, it is the most recent. Yeah. <coughs> by a good by enough a couple chunk. hundred years. Yeah, by yeah, a good enough chunk. like that. Yon May Park. Yes. Her name. Yes, yes. But yeah, and, and so you can't just come and say everything's equal at the same table because it's just not. And it's like you said, you know, you can't have a, a place sitting on the Human Rights Commission that is literally has concentration camps and some people would look at the u.s and say well you can't do that when you're doing what we're doing on the border okay fair enough if that's what you think but that doesn't negate the reality that should certain people be on human rights commission boards when they're committing atrocities where they are like don't point to america and say well yeah but we do these things great that doesn't change my point is is that you can't put people like that on a on a panel like that it just doesn't work yeah (laughs) that was random that was random. Not where I intended to go at all, but whatever. But I'm. I think you're. I think in some ways talking about the Reformation is interesting. That was something that I've just spent the last couple of weeks in my class looking at, like the Reformation and and Christianity leading up to it. Yeah. And that was the side of the story that I had not learned about the Anabaptists. Right. Like where where we actually came from. The part of the story that I knew, growing up Mennonite, I knew that Mennonites were persecuted by catholics largely catholics and and the holy roman empire emperor yeah and uh the governments and that kind of thing and for like 120 150 years they were burned at the stake they were persecuted and it was brutal and it was awful and that was what we that was the part of the story that we were told right which was true which was true (coughs) i didn't realize all the other stuff that was going on in the reformation like i knew some of it but i didn't realize like when when I was looking at some of this stuff, I found like the German peasants war mm-hmm. where you had like 300,000 German peasants getting together. And this was more because like it was societal change that was happening. Too. Right. It wasn't wasn't just religious. Right. But Anabaptists were mixed up in the German peasants war on the side of the peasants against the aristocracy. And so the more violent side of the Anabaptist movement was all tied up in that. Yeah. To the point that at at the Munster Rebellion, they took over an entire city and set up like basically it's not Islamic, but it was setting up a caliphate. Yeah. Like they were gonna take over a town. It was everybody's gonna share everything in common. But they were peasants. They were not they had no way of running a town, but the what they were running on was the idea of they had the scriptures in their language and it was their interpretation of millennialist yeah, yeah, view yeah. of end times <clears throat> saying like the end is near, these things are coming, you know, things are going to get worse and worse mm-hmm. and we need to set up this town. And it was, it was terrible. Like the one leader got killed by the Bishop's army that came in to squelch the rebellion. Yeah. And, the one leader got killed. The next leader took a whole entire harem and set himself up as King David and was having prophetic visions, which is why everybody followed him. And the town ended up getting starved and yeah. everybody dispersed and killed. And the one of the reasons that surviving Anabaptist movement was pacifist is because most of the violent got parts out. of the movement got killed. <laughs> By and and the German peasants were they lost two thirds of the people uh, of those three hundred thousand two hundred thousand dead yeah like there was a, there was wholesale slaughter yeah and that's how that rebellion was put down but kudos to Menno Simons and to all the other pacifist Mennonites and brethren and 
Hutterites and everybody else that is still alive and part of that movement, it's a peaceful, non-resistant movement. And what happened then for 120, 150 years is that they were killing completely peaceful people that did right. not... We're not connected and, to the previous problem. And that's the problem. part of the story that I knew. <laughs> but I didn't realize all the other societal elements that were happening at the time. But there is direct lines between the people that were tied up in all of that and Menno Simons. Yeah. Now, he had disagreements with them. like, But finding the Anabaptist movement... The Dutch Anabaptists weren't necessarily mixed up in that, but that was something that it extended to. Like all of a sudden, right. the Dutch Anabaptists were being persecuted. Right. But Anabaptist was a bigger tent at the beginning, and it wasn't always pacifist. Right. Which was not anything that I knew, and I, I guess I could have found that out had I studied it a little further. It's just growing up as a kid, you it's hear not what you were handed. Yeah, you hear certain stories and. It's interesting to me because it's it's it points to th- something that I kind of find funny in general, and it seems like especially this happens in in religious circles. But you know, uh, one of the 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 two the two the three biggest camps in in Christianity that kind of take swats at each other constantly are, are the Charismatics, the Catholics, and the Fundamentalists. To varying degrees, you know, the Fundamentalists don't like like the Catholic and the Charismatics. Charismatics don't like the Catholic and the fundamentalists and Catholics don't really like, well, they don't really like anybody. And no, yeah, I'm you kidding. You have charismatics <laughs> in like every stream. You have right, charismatic exactly. Baptists, you have charismatic But I'm Catholics. talking, I'm talking in terms of like the, the denominational tent, yeah. separate, yeah, the big tent ones. Um, I, I find funny because typically what happens is you vilify the person at the worst moment of their movement. So people want to talk about why they don't like the Catholic church not realizing that the Reformation actually did cause a Reformation in the Catholic Church as well. And so, yes, they were trying to hold on to their power and trying to and persecute all these things. there was two separate things. Reformations happening yes. at the same time. There was yes. a Reformation happening in Italy and in Germany right. and, and, and in other parts of Europe. Like, but the, the Reformation happening within the Catholic Church was actually different people going about it differently right. than what Luther did. Right. And so... But you hear about, you know, people who, say, have Lutheran background, the, the bitterness that they have at the Catholic Church is what Luther would have had when the things happened and were happening right now versus all the change that's happened in the Catholic Church since then. By the and way, you find the same thing with the Mennonites. Like, oh, these violent men. It's like, no, 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 these people have been peaceful for 150 years. But you remember way back that somebody told you one time about the thing that they did with the stuff in the place. And so we're going to just go ahead and wipe them out. It's like, no, 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 things have changed since then. Look at what's in front of you right. instead of what's been before. And we're just not great at that. But what were you saying? I'm uh, sorry. Luther, <laughs> during the German Peasants War, was asked to weigh in on it. And he wrote a pamphlet called against the murderous thieving hordes of peasants <laughs> it was the title of it yeah um so yeah he gave him a pretty stiff rebuke yeah. some people thought a little too little too late but it's really strongly worded as you can tell like, yes and the other the other name that i never quite got his story right was Ulrich zwingli like zwingli was a was in switzerland and he was part of the reformation and i know that some Anabaptists interacted with him, mm. and so I had like known the name, but he disagreed with the Anabaptists, was a little bit more Lutheran in his approach, but he had basically stopped, uh, got Catholic services stopped in two of the cities. Uh, the city is escaping me right now, the one yeah. that he was in, in Switzerland, but the other, the other Swiss towns around them hadn't gone as far mm. and so they basically these two towns out of a dozen two of them were going the way he thought it needed to go yeah and 10 of them were not so they <clears throat> basically went to war with the other ones tried to cut off the roads isolate them and or Zwingli was killed <laughs> going to help a group of his guys that were cutting off roads to these towns and they had they had gotten cut off themselves and were basically behind enemy lines. He was coming in to reinforce them. Yeah, and that's when he got killed. So it wasn't he was just killed a simple, in battle. It wasn't a simple martyrdom. It was a uh, no. He was not. I wouldn't count him as a martyr at all. He yeah, was a, he was a combatant. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and oh, man, so like some of that stuff was a lot more complex than I thought. When you start looking at like the Lutheran perspective, what was going on? with like Lutheran Reformation 
throw in the Anabaptists, throw in a couple other movements that were happening at the time. But, and you can see how the Catholic Church at the time was like, all of this is heresy. Yeah. This all needs to be put down. We need one church. Right. And it was you creating guys, disorder. You guys have a way of doing this. But then the people that were in charge, how, do, how would you say in charge of the church at the time? Because you had a pope and you had the emperor and they didn't always agree. Right. And they were both pretty heavy handed in right. their approach and kind of vying for power and had really persecuted some non-threatening uh, non-heretical movements right, right. before. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of heresy. They had their Christology right. They had, like, almost everything was right. They just weren't right. Catholic, right. necessarily. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah, and it was. It was messy. It was it was a mess. It truly and, was a and mess. And you can see how, looking back, if from the Catholic perspective, you can say, look, this was all unnecessary. Like, Reformation was coming. Yeah. Like, Yes, there was a reform movement that needed to happen within the church. This wasn't the way. Yeah. And my favorite part of it, though, is just the East, Eastern Orthodox Church sitting over there going, we're not doing any of this. And they just have their own their well, own separate thing going on over there. And I didn't realize that the Fourth Crusade, the Catholic Church all left Europe saying that they were going to Egypt to fight Islam. Yeah. And turned aside and sacked Constantinople. Yeah. Like... And just destroyed the Eastern Orthodox Church and yeah. like went raping and pillaging through the city. And yeah. it's like, how do you expect there to be healing between the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic? Because there won't be any of them left. <laughs> oh, geez. That's, that's a tough hill to climb. But kudos to the Mennonites and Catholics. And we've talked about this before, but the Mennonites and Catholics in modern times have done quite a bit, especially around early late 90s early 2000s there was a whole conference yeah on this and there's a document called called uh, called together to be peacemakers that's the report from that uh time of healing and and restoration between the two denominations and i thought that was pretty cool because yeah. part of that restoration is going in and finding a common things that we can agree on about the historical narrative right which is important because everybody owning their bits. Right. <clears throat> and this gets into something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is what does real restoration and forgiveness look like? Mm. Like you look at our society right now and some of the fracturing that's gone on and people over the last couple of years, you, <clears throat> we've gone through a tough re-election cycle or a tough election cycle, gone through a tough um, civil unrest and a whole bunch of other stuff going right. on, protests, counter-protests, you know, violent protests and on both sides, all this stuff. And it's one of those things that it's like, what does real healing look like? Mm. If you're going to say healing and restoration are necessary, I think it starts with both sides sitting down and saying, what can we agree on is what do I feel was done? to me yeah and what do you feel was done to you and what can we agree about on the facts of what happened yeah. here and establishing a common narrative maybe we don't agree on the degree yeah. to which these things happen or how bad this was versus how bad that was because it's always <coughs> going to look worse from from your perspective the offended right. party's perspective and I think the thing is, is that you always have to struggle with is can both parties come? And I don't mean this in a political sense. I mean, the generic parties can both parties come together and agree that there is restoration that needs to take place. Right. And therein lies the problem that right. I think is the toughest place that we're at right now. We're in a place in the United States where I feel like the thing is, who is the villain and who is the wronged? Right. And who needs to do penance? But that's, and that's a problem. But it, it's also a very childish way of solving yeah. an argument. Yeah, for sure. Like, you cannot solve an argument that way by saying, no, I'm the victim. Like, we know this in our marriage. The first one to grab the victim card is not the one who's right. Right. It's just the one who wins. Right. By grabbing the victim card. Right. We covered this in How We Fight. That's, <laughs> a, whole, that's a whole episode yes. that we did. But I, I do think that if healing and restoration were to occur that is part of it yeah and the next part that they did the mennonites and catholics is that they both worshiped in 
their own in their churches together yeah and went through the whole thing and then they said what can we agree about on what the fundamentals are right so the fundamentals of our faith the the common points right and then maybe some points where we disagree but to name those things was good because you start to see the overlap and i think that's part of it we sometimes politically or ideology wise you're saying the same thing it's just two different perspectives like you see two people having an argument and they're like yeah i got that on video and the other guy's like yeah thank god i got that on video and it's like you both think you're right yeah especially in like police encounters i've been seeing that where people are like i got you on video and the cop's like yeah my body cam's helping me right now yeah i have you on video too yeah so yeah is that you needing to go now? I don't. I don't think so. Oh, okay. It's good. We're waiting for a text from <laughs> Sheldon's uh, offspring to let them know that he needs to go pick them up. So it's we okay. may end abruptly tonight. You never know. Now, one of the things that I would really challenge everybody to do, specifically talking over the issues of the Catholic Church and some of these things, if you're a Protestant, if you're <clears throat> not a Catholic, uh, but but still a Christian. Uh, there is a guy uh, named Father Casey Cole who has a YouTube channel called Breaking in the Habit. Yeah. And he's a Franciscan friar. He's a younger guy. And it's really, really interesting to listen to an insider who is currently a part of ministering in the Catholic Church talk about the beliefs of the Catholic Church and talk about the practice of being a Catholic. Still things I disagree with theologically and fundamentally that would never allow me to be a Catholic. There are just certain practices that they have that I'm just like, yeah, right. I, I, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, sin, or any of that, but like, I just don't agree. I don't see how you can come to that conclusion. But it is really interesting to get his perspective on it and make you realize I have made a lot of assumptions that were based on, you know, hundreds of years old information about the Catholic Church versus what they actually are as an entity now. So I would challenge you guys give give uh, give Father Casey a, a, a check out there breaking in the habit. Uh, you'd be surprised the things that you learn about uh, about the church and what it's actually like. <clears throat> I think I do actually need to go, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here shortly. But I do want to say like losing Norm Macdonald has oh, been yes. rough. Uh, he was one of the great truth tellers in comedy, like yeah. where. It, it wasn't like everything he said he believed or that it was true because he said it. Right. But he had a way of just saying things that hit you at that certain place that you're like, ah, I get that. Yeah. Because it, it, it seems kind of true to me and he'd say it in deadpan and then he'd laugh at you for it, <laughs> which I thought was great because you could, you, you couldn't necessarily get a good beat on where he was at because he was making fun of you, even if you did kind of yeah. buy into it. Yeah. So and I, I loved the thing, I loved his way of talking and his yeah celebrity jeopardy. Was the thing the thing I love about a guy like Norm Macdonald is he is the kind of guy. He is a comedian's comedian. Yeah, just like there are musicians out there that nobody but musicians knows who they are, know who they are and and what they do and what they've contributed. But he's one of those guys that inspired people, and no matter what side of the political or social aisle you were on. You loved Norm Macdonald like you just did. I mean, I started seeing some of the I people. I know some people that hated him, but yeah, that's okay. But mostly people hated him because they didn't. They couldn't get rid of him. Yeah. Like they didn't like that they couldn't get rid of him. They couldn't cancel him. But there weren't a lot of comedians that were in that list. No. Not a lot at all. And it was it was interesting to me seeing all the tributes that were there. You know, you have you have people like Whitney Cummings who are who are, you know, all crazy and out there, but really had a lot of good things to say about norm of course you have conan o'brien you have seth myers who was tight with him over the years um it was really interesting seeing all these tributes to him from these other people who it's like you probably did not agree at all ideologically but you knew this guy was just always going to be himself and going to be consistent and going to be funny but yeah it was it's just sad to think that we've heard the last joke oh, from i know him. that's crazy to think i know you know but yeah yeah same i mean i it's sad that We've seen the last Chadwick Boseman movie too. Yeah, like, some of those guys. It's just like it would have been great to see. Yeah, see more and see what they could have done. Yeah, but yeah. He says he his one joke that came all the way back around was that uh, when when you die of cancer, cancer doesn't win. 
At best, you could call it a draw. <laughs> because when you die, the cancer dies Because when you with die, you. the cancer dies with yeah. you. He's like, at very best, you'd call that a draw. Yeah. But again, that's... <laughs> and he, that's what, he died of cancer. Yeah, and that's the amazing thing. He's, I, was, he I would be like, yeah, yeah cancer didn't had, win. It didn't beat had, Norm. Dude had leukemia for nine or ten years, and nobody knew. Right. Like, even famous people that he worked with regularly. Like, I watched some comedians that were doing a podcast together, and then all of a sudden, they flash up the news that Norm MacDonald died, and they're like... What happened? Like, what happened to Norm? Didn't even know he was sick, you know? And, and that was that's kind of an incredible thing when you have a guy who so doesn't want that to define the narrative of his life that he just doesn't, doesn't talk about it and doesn't make it a thing, which is pretty incredible. But, yeah, I've I've been binging a lot of Norm MacDonald uh, weekend <laughs> updates and different things lately now uh, since his passing. And it is. It's, it is sad. It's a sad Filtered sad for bad language, of course. Yes, yeah. of course. Always. Always. <laughs> Oh, All right. Man. Well, I got to end this. Sorry, it's short. Yes. We love you guys. And uh, we'll have to pick this up next week because yes. there's plenty we didn't get to. We'll part two this one. All right. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Okay, guys. We're instantly back right now because Sheldon got called away uh, unexpectedly. I mean, expectedly, but also unexpectedly. Right. And. I'm actually going to have him explain that in just a second. I only abandoned my kid for a half hour. <clears throat> but it's, okay. it's not abandoning if it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the kid's fault when parents depend on a sixth grader to read the invitation or whatever it is correctly. I'm not saying errors in judgment weren't made, <laughs> but it was not ultimately your fault. <laughs> yes. It, I think what it, I think what we had... I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm coughing right now. Nate has COVID. <laughs> no, I um, do not. <laughs> And so what we had was that he was told he was given a thing that said, we are leaving. We are arriving back at the church at nine. And what he read was, we are leaving Cedar Point at nine. Yes. Which is not an unreasonable thing because I think they close somewhere around there. So they were at Cedar Point and they got back a half hour, 40 minutes before I went to actually get him. So yes. I felt really extremely bad. Yeah. And I had to bail on you yeah. guys. But, but we're it, back. I was very entertained because you got a semi panicked call from your wife. And in your mind, you're like, they just got there. I just found out what's the big deal. And then you find out there's way more going on than it's you It's been a lot of times knew. lapsed. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I literally, yeah, Sheldon can attest. I was not doing this at all until. We started to come down you here. You ate frozen gummy bears, and now you can't stop coughing. I did. I think I got I got sugar that I did not need at this particular time at night. But that is did you cough this there. much with COVID? <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. That was not. What one is of my COVID? Symptoms. Does it make you cough? Does it make you wheeze? <laughs> okay. You feel like you were dying. What Sheldon is getting to is that yes, I did actually have. COVID Ooh, and he's I can make that thing buzz. Oh, what That's is that? cool. Where's that coming from? If you touch it, it buzzes. <laughs> yeah, and it's there you go. <laughs> Why is that even there? We haven't done anything that we needed that in forever. Oh. Who knows how long two weeks ago there. I was gonna play an audio clip. Oh, and then we just never got to it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So my COVID story. <clears throat> I had it. And I had a very mild case of it in terms of symptoms, which I still don't exactly know what that means. I don't know if this responds to people's genetics or if there's like the less COVID and then the super COVID and then the mega, like, I don't know how it works. Don't worry. Everybody's a health expert. <laughs> They'll all tell you how yes, it works. Yes, I'm sure you all will. Because I have known various people who've gotten it, gotten it more severely, different things like that. But either way, neither here nor there. I got it <clears throat> just in time for our 10th anniversary trip to Arizona. And my wife got it as well. She got it a little more severely than I did. But she didn't get all that bad either. But I literally didn't even know. I thought it was just my typical fall. I have allergies because I do every fall. My nose will get a little stuffy and runny. I get drainage pain in my ears because everything around me is dying. And my nasal passages don't like it. And so we got to Arizona. <clears throat> and no, this is not the call from that. We got to Arizona and Kayla just started feeling really bad and achy. And so I took her temperature. She had 102 temp. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to go grab the food that we ordered and I'll come back. I go into what is a local Italian restaurant in Arizona. I walk in and it, it occurs to me that I cannot smell an Italian restaurant. <laughs> 
And of all the things that you can say about Italian restaurants, good, bad, ugly, hateful, indifferent, you will absolutely smell it when you walk into it. And garlic has a certain <laughs> So I, way of I grabbed our pizza, which was sitting off to the side that we'd already paid for. I walked out. I'm like sniffing the box. I'm like, nope, can't smell this at all. We get there. I tell Kayla, I've lost my sense of smell. I go to taste the pizza. Can't taste it either. It was beautiful, Chicago-style, mm. deep dish pizza nice. that felt amazing in my mouth but tasted like nothing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so that was the very first day of our trip in Arizona. And we were there for <clears throat> about 10 days and then flew home. We were not able to do any of the things we planned on doing because we would have had to have been around people, which obviously we were not going to do. We did get to go um, to a lake and kayak one day when Kayla ha was having a good day. Arizona is beautiful and I want to go back. It was 109 degrees the entire time we were there, except when we went to wait Lake Watson because it was two hours north and it was 20 degrees cooler two wow. hours north than it was in Phoenix. Um, <clears throat> but it was really awesome other than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but nothing, nothing overly major. Kayla... Had fevers, had some dizziness, had some of that stuff, but uh, didn't really get any of the respiratory stuff. And uh, yeah, we're all over it and we're fine. So for your anniversary, you flew to Arizona, got COVID and came back. And quarantined and came back. <laughs> <laughs> but It'll the be one thing, that you'll never forget. It, 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 it will not. Yeah. And it was one of those things where Kayla, we've known, we've had several friends who have had vacations and they've gotten COVID on vacation. So, like, huh. they would have gotten it before they left or been exposed to it before they left and ended up with it when they got where they were going. Right. Um, we know at least three other people. And so, Kayla was like, yeah, I'm, I was just really worried that this is what was going to happen because we've been planning this trip for a year. Literally been saving for it, the whole deal. But I will say, <clears throat> we are not sponsored by this, but I'm going to talk about it. We discovered Turo, which oh. is awesome. It is basically Airbnb for cars. And we yes. were going to, and if you have a Kia Soul, I apologize, but what I'm about to say is true. Um, our option was to pay $650, I think pre-tax, for a Hertz or whatever auto place we were renting from at the airport for a Kia Soul or something equivalent. What I would say, a crappy Kia Soul or something equivalent. For that price, I'm like, okay, we got to figure something else out. Discovered Turo. <clears throat> I got to drive. A decked out Honda Civic Turbo Sport hatchback for $450 for the week instead. Yep. It was way better. The way they did they literally dropped it off at the airport in a certain parking spot, told us where it was. We sent them pictures of ourselves with our license so they knew that we're actually who we said we were. Gave us the, uh, the code for the lockbox. We unlocked it. We had the car for the week. Just nice. had to fill it up again. It was awesome. I recommend it to everybody. Turo. And if you want to do like Sheldon and pretend like you have a, a Tesla, you can even rent a Tesla, even right here locally in, in Wayne County. Yeah. I actually looked after you brought that up. I thought about, well, what happens if I just go buy my Tesla and then rent it out so that people can help me pay for the car that I want? And looking into that, there are people that make money on this platform. Um, but you need to rent out a car that you don't care about. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that I learned yeah. is that you buy a car that you don't really care about and then rent it out. And you also have to live in an area where people are renting cars. Right. So like we live in a more rural area and there's nobody renting cars around us. There's right. not a whole lot on the map. And I'm like, oh, cool. I could get something, rent it out. And I'd be like the only guy in this area. And then I'm like, I'm also the only guy in this area, maybe for a reason. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, is they literally dropped it at the airport for us, which right. we're not really all that close to an airport. Right. At least not a real a real no. one, you know. A, a no, we're about an hour <clears throat> from any airport. Yeah. So, so yeah, this would not be a great place. But if you live in Cleveland or Canton, yeah, good there's idea. plenty of them in those areas. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But anyway, so it, we did have a, a good time just being together. We binged several shows. Um uh, we we started uh, um, manifest, which I am I am basically calling lost, but with a plot. Is it time travel? <clears throat> kind of. Basically, the premise is that the, the plane goes missing. That a, yeah, right? that a plane takes off from I think it's in Jamaica. Maybe not Jamaica. I don't remember, but it's someplace someplace uh, 
in like the Caribbean out there. They're flying back. They have this weird thing that happens where there's like what seems to be a lightning storm. The plane loses power for a second. They start to crash, and then all of a sudden everything kicks back, and they're fine. <coughs> they land at their airport and are redirected and actually redirected to a different airport, all this stuff. Come to find out they have been missing for, is it five years? Hmm. They've all been missing for five years, and it just felt like a normal flight to them. So they come home and gotcha. you know, some people, they have family members who have died. Some have remarried. Some have, you know, were engaged, but now they're married to other people because all this time passed for them and they thought right. they were dead. They Five never years. Found <clears throat> never found the plane. One real interesting thing that they do is that uh, <clears throat> there's a set of twins in it and the, the daughter goes with the mom on the first plane and the son goes with the father on the second plane and it's the second plane that this happens to. So you have twins. Now there's a five year gap between them, right? And uh, and so it's just it's it's really interesting. I I like it. It's a little melodramatic, as you would expect with something <laughs> like this, but it's good. It's good. Kayla really likes intense shows and movies, <clears throat> and I always say by nature of what I do, I kind of like things that are just nonsensical and like I don't need to be stressed out watching a thing. Just I want to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to yeah watch silliness. Um, so this is a compromise one for us. We also watched, and I can't make a pastoral recommendation on this because there is a lot of swearing in it, but we just uh, started watching as well um, Only Murders in the Building, which right. is a Hulu show with Martin Short, Steve Martin, and of all people, Selena Gomez. Yeah. Really good, and I love Martin Short and Steve Martin. I will watch them individually in almost anything and together in anything that they would do together. Um, and so that was really fun to watch. Um, we binged all of that that was available within the first two days there was one other show we binged and i can't remember the name of it right now but yeah we we had to do that that's what we did but we had a really great pool that was walled in that was our pool nobody else spent a lot of time out there arizona is an oven and it warmed up the pool nicely yeah so i want to go back i know there's a lot to see that we did not see um but all things considered we had a good time yeah so that was my 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 COVID experience. There it was. I I haven't had a COVID experience, which probably means I'm not going to get it by this point. At this point, probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't e- even had so much as a sniffle since the very beginning. Although for the last two weeks, I've been unexplainably tired, <laughs> and I and I kind of think like, well, maybe everybody's getting it, and this is our version. Your version of it. We just get a little sleepy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> No, it's okay. Well, the funny thing is, too, is that you do have legitimate reasons for being actually tired. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. Yeah. I was was part of a recording project this week as well, which I didn't initially. I was asked just a couple of weeks ago to do, and it ended up being a lot of work. But I did actually enjoy it. Got to meet some really cool people, and uh, that'll be coming out. I actually have no you're, idea what the time is. You were playing is. guitar for for those tracks. Yep, just a guitar player. But they did some live live worship sessions for it, so that's that's what I was there for. So I don't know what'll end up on there, but I did it and we did the thing and it was good. So met some good people. It's a it's a church that wasn't too far from here, so that wasn't too bad. But yeah, I feel like this past week was kind of like the lost week because <clears throat> yeah. I spent three of my five work days in Cleveland instead of here and realized this morning when i got to the church i'm like oh shoot there are all these things that i was supposed to do that i completely forgot because i was doing these other things nothing catastrophic but enough to be a little annoyed that i didn't take care of them so one thing that i think is a little bit interesting and i'll just bring people in on this it's i've i've been on the church staff for just a little while yeah so that's been a lot of fun i've made it to a total of like two or three meetings yeah so far which we officially kind of sort of work together now which never occurred to me until just this moment (laughs) so now we not only podcast together we actually work together somewhat by that i mean nate works full-time and i'm super super part-time but you still do Um, a lot of things i do (laughs) and so one of the things that i took away from one of our meetings that i if you guys are in uh in your place of business or in a church, either one, it works well. Uh, we watched a video by Craig Groeschel and mm. he was talking about, it was a presentation he was given at a conference and he was talking about uh, rules within an organization and how rules are scar tissue within yeah. our organizations. And it's, and a rule is made where somebody screws up 
or somebody messes up intentionally or does something. Yeah. And then people step in and they make a rule about this so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And so over time, you have enough of those and it just builds up like scar tissue. Right. Because there was a wound way, way back here. And now this was our patch for it. And his, his challenge to leaders was to manage, manage the stupid. Yeah. Like whatever stupid thing happened, manage that, take care of that, try not to make a rule. Right. And that touched a place in me that is very core. Like I hate little stupid rules yeah. that you can't understand. And I will often try and push back on some of those rules like, wait, why why do we do that? Yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that that do that innately in in the US. Like you yeah. can't just tell people that this is the thing and they just go along with it. Like people are innately a little bit rebellious. And and so I don't I don't like those little stupid rules, but having someone explain it to me that way that I'm like, "Oh, okay. I see you're you like I run into something at work where I didn't know there was a rule about this and now I find out there is a rule and it's like, "Well, why is there that rule?" And then you get into it and it's like, "Oh, it's because there was damage done back here." Yeah. And this is the patch. And so that has been a challenge for me that I've been thinking a lot about in the yeah. last couple of weeks and, and I've used with my team at work on a number of different things where they're like, is there a rule that we should be doing about this? Like we have this whole new organization, this new um, training that we're doing or whatever. They're like, should we make a rule that this is da, da, da. And I'm like, no, no, I don't think we're going to make a rule about that. <clears throat> what is it that we're trying to accomplish yeah. with that? You know, and let's can we do it in a general way that does not need a rule you know it's something that we're doing for now yeah. or something that we would like people to follow that kind of thing so yeah. yeah that was that was something that's been really helpful for me that's that's one thing that i feel like and again there may be some people who are who are no longer on staff at our church that were at one time that would disagree with this but i'm just going to say it cuz this has been my experience one of the things i've always appreciated about my dad is he's not he's not a rules guy he never has been a rules guy. He hmm. does not like the idea of like, let's make a policy. Let's do this. Like he does not love that, has never really done that. And uh, his one, but even though that's the case, one of his favorite things to say is as a rule, can we not do this? <laughs> and, and it <laughs> that never leads to the confusion. Doesn't but, the, it? but the funny part is, is I, I know how to translate that because I've lived with him my entire life and his. His thing there is basically, when he says as a rule, he yeah. means as not a rule. Yeah. He basically <laughs> means don't make a habit of this. Right. But if it happens, your, I trust you enough to know that you just needed to do this in your general practice. Can we <laughs> yeah. not? Yeah. Make this rare yeah. <laughs> is kind of his, but he's never been a hard, fast rule guy. Um, you know, he, he's, he's willing to throw things up in the air and just kind of move forward. And, uh, he doesn't like the whole policing thing. He doesn't like any whole, that whole, and I don't mean policing as in, actual police i mean right you know the 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 finger waggers that just run around and try to catch everybody doing all the things um and that's one of the things i've always appreciated about him <clears throat> it does make things a little bit vague sometimes as you yes. and i have discussed previously mm -hmm. uh, but it definitely has its positives over its negatives i would say <clears throat> but yeah man we worked it we're just kind of stuck together and i'm okay with that <laughs> i'm very okay with yeah. that yeah it's good yeah that's very good Oh man! So I want to touch on Norm Macdonald a little more. Yeah, go <laughs> back to that. We 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 abruptly had to just throw him in there, in a way that he would have found hilarious. Actually, considering the fact that he had just died, he would have probably been very and entertained. We can by we that. can wrap with Norm. That's that's fine with me. No, I mean I, do I don't care. I'm just saying I'd, I'd love to talk about him a little bit more, and uh, why we like him and why he why he's been impactful for us. Uh, I, I discovered a joke from him that I never heard. Just I'll throw oh, out. Oh, good. You've been watching is, some more. Yeah, which is, uh, this was something that was actually one of his stand-up routines, I think way back in like the real early 90s, maybe the late 80s. But he was talking about uh, uh, cliff diving oh. as as a sport. Like if you if you actually did it as a competitive sport. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know how you really judge that. Like, I guess it would be, uh, it would be, you know, you, you either, you either, the one who ended up in the water or you're that stuff on the rocks over there. And that's, that's the two categories, you know, is that, and I'm just like, that is just a perfect example of Norm Macdonald and how he would translate something like that. Dude, I found out his, his brother is actually like a Canadian news anchor. 
Really? Like a substantial one, like a known that would make known sense. dude. Yeah. Oddly enough, but he was Canadian, which I forgot about. Always forgot about. He always yeah. seemed a little. Uh, I mean, he was passive aggressive, not aggressive. So I guess that is very Canadian. Yeah, watching him on the View was something else. Oh, did I send you that? Yes, those you two sent clips? me the one of him on the View where he basically accused Bill Clinton of murdering that guy. Uh, what was? Yeah, was, the lawyer. Um, yeah. Anyway, shoot. he basically accused him of murder on national TV, and then was like, "What? I thought it was a matter of record, <laughs> public <laughs> record." And the, uh, seeing the seeing how quickly he was able to expose all of those women on the View, I mean, it was like. Within two minutes of him being out there, they were all like claws out, ready to go, angry, and and calling him stupid and telling him to shut up. And they weren't being aggressive; they were trying to act like they were joking. It was not a joke. No, like they were they were not happy. And Barbara was, Walters was oh, not having it. <laughs> Barbara Walters is she still alive? I assume so. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about Norm a little bit. Let's okay. let's get a little bit into Norm. I I like <laughs> I like Norm uh, for a number of reasons, but his observational humor is the best. Did I tell you guys about the time to time? I don't remember if you mentioned that last time, but no. who cares? We have time no, traveled okay. in this podcast. Yeah, so let's he do was, it. He was talking about <laughs> how I don't I don't time. It was on a podcast somewhere. He's like, I don't tra- time travel very often, but from time to time. And then he, he just keeps coming back to it. He'll, he'll lock on to something where it's like, this is the, I'm going to make a point of this, whether you like it or not. And he's like, he's like, I didn't go very far. Like you would go back maybe to see your great grandfather or maybe the a little bit earlier than that but you go back there you see him and then you travel back to your time you you travel there from time to time <laughs> it's just and then he'd say it again like yeah. four or five different ways not just, all the time i don't I, but it's from not time something to time. i don't make a habit it's just from time to time <laughs> <laughs> and just could not let it go and that's uh, yeah My- I, I like his very dry way the other thing that the first time that I ever saw Norm Macdonald, I actually thought he was Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, holy cow, Burt Reynolds is hilarious. Yeah. And it was on uh, it was on Saturday Night Live on their Celebrity Jeopardy with Will Ferrell. Yeah. And I wish Will Ferrell and and uh, Norm Macdonald had done more together. Yeah. Because Will Ferrell's reactions to Norm Macdonald <laughs> were even better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were pretty priceless. I, Man, I, I, uh, speaking of Burt Reynolds, this is totally random, but it made me think of it. Have you ever seen, I think it was on, whose show was it? Was it Johnny Carson? It was either Carson, it was Carson Letterman or Leno. I think it was Carson or Letterman. We'll, we'll leave Leno out of this in his chin. But Burt Reynolds was on with, you remember Mark Summers from like the, the Double Dare, the Nickelodeon stuff? He did like okay. the... <clears throat> He's on there with Mark Summers, and they actually end up having, like, an aggressive back and forth, like, trying to pretend like it's jovial, but, like, giving real jabs to each other. Wow. It's really awkward and really weird, and I don't know what beef they had, because they are not in the same world at all, other than, like, they're both in entertainment, but, like, I mean, Mark Summers never really acted in anything that I know of, and Burt Reynolds was Burt Reynolds, and granted, at this time, and, like, the early 90s it's not like he was working a ton i mean he was kind of in the the twilight of his career but he was still burt reynolds you know right and they resolved the whole thing in the end i think they they did it like a duel where they they threw cream pies in each other's faces and reynolds like legitimately like you could tell he was trying to hurt him with the throw but then it was like okay fine we're fine we got our aggression out we're good it was like an old school when men were men style but with pie (laughs) it's really weird i'll have to show it to you it is super awkward Uh, but all I could think of when I saw Norm Macdonald is like, man, I'm surprised you guys didn't pick this up and riff on that whole routine because you totally could have. He was great <laughs> on in uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. I haven't seen that one. I need to yeah. I need to look that one Norm up. Norm was very, very good in that. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that the, the genuine affection between him and, and Seinfeld was yeah. real. Like they, they both respected each other. But, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Every comedian I love... Whether it's late night or or comedic actors like Martin Short and Steve Martin or, you know, you, you name them. Every one of them had 
massive respect and loved Norm Macdonald. Yeah. He's he's like you have musicians that are musicians, musicians that like these are the ones that only musicians know about and they listen to and that they just are, have their mind blown by. Norm was that for people who did comedy for a living for a lot of them. I mean, you know, Sarah Silverman was a huge fan of his. Uh, obviously, Conan loved him. There were just a lot of those, you know, old school and or uh, current people who just who loved him. And he was something else. But yeah, you just made me think of something, but I'm going to have to try and find it. So I'm going to have to use the Google machine. Um, <laughs> no, I was just listening to Anne Berlin talking oh. about how there was a song that they had done that Jimmy World, the band Jimmy World told them like, this was our favorite song that you guys have done. And they were like, oh man, that's like such high praise because, you know, doing something that those guys really liked was yeah was cool to them. Um, and I was just like, isn't that, isn't that great? Like when you hear like two of your favorite bands, like one of them oh, just yeah. having respect for each other yeah. and being like, Man, we and, and it was a it was a song that they almost did, and that's why I was looking up to see if I could find what song it yeah. was. Um, I always, I but it was a song that they didn't want to put on the record, and I think Steven had basically said this is not going on the record, mm. and they ended up putting it on anyway and and just going ahead and doing it. Yeah, and then later Jimmy World told him that's one of their favorite songs, and he's like, I wish Man. every I wish every band would do at least one B sides album. That's just basically here are all the songs that never made the cut for that any we didn't album think that were we did. good enough. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's not even always that you think that something's not good enough. It's like man, these are really good, but this one's better. And yeah. so you you just have to pick and choose, and you just chop it up. But I'd love to know how many songs just ended up on the cutting room floor and never made it into an album. Can you imagine all? Oh, the it's songs? take me as you found. Take, oh yeah yeah. Take me as you found me. Yeah, yeah. Amberlynn. Take me as you found me. Yeah. Oh. Such a good song, too. And I'm like, but but really obscure in yeah. their whole... You know, it's funny. Speaking of that, I, I randomly... I have known for a long time that the original lyric to Michael Jackson's Thriller was called was Starlight. That was the original name of the song. And I never heard it, never could find the lyrics, just recently found them. And it's amazing. There's a guy named Ron, uh, Ron Templeton. Ron? Rod. Rod or Ron? I don't remember. Templeton, though, was his last name, who was a songwriter who actually wrote the what ended up being the final lyrics for Thriller. And it's amazing because you don't you think of that song as really kind of a silly song. Like you're like, oh, the melody's just really good. The, you know, the music's really good. That's why it was popular. But the melody's the same. The lyrics are totally different. And I'm like, this song sucks. Like when I heard <laughs> that, and it's Michael doing it. It's Michael yeah. cutting an original demo just to kind of feel it out. Now, he didn't write it. Uh, it was somebody else. They found it, but they called in Rod Templeton to come in and, and rewrite this. And what he did with the lyrics, just it fit the music and the tone perfectly. And it's kind of amazing how how that ends up working out in some songs. You never you never realize the fact that a song needs to have all of those elements to be great. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, songs need lyrics, songs need melody, all those things. Yeah, but being able to take that same thing and just now one can make the argument that because I've lived with thriller and know it so well that that's why that sounds lame to me. Oh, I don't, I but, don't know. <clears throat> I think some things are objectively that yeah, way, but I do believe it is objectively that yeah. I've, I've actually been on a random Michael Jackson kick. What I refer to as the angry Michael Jackson kick, <laughs> which is uh, he, he came out with an album in 1995 called history. And previous to that, you know, he'd done his, you know, thriller was obviously all over the map in terms of style. You had rock, you had pop, you had, a little bit of disco even mixed in there some it was still kind of that crossover era and then uh you know bad was for michael was was super aggressive but then it always has also starting to him get into his feel good like everybody in the world come together stuff you know that was when he had uh, uh what was his his oh like man in the mirror was a yep. big hit off of that one um, which tragically originally the title track bad i don't know how i got onto michael jackson but i'm just gonna roll oh, with yeah, it we're fine. riffing tonight the title track "Bad" was supposed to be a duet between Michael Jackson and Prince. Oh wow! Because they were big competitors yeah. at the time, and and it was going to literally be like a back and forth, like you know, because the song lyrics are very much like a a street fight in a in a certain sense, in like a um, a West Side Story sense, yeah. street fight, you know, back and forth, and it was going to be Prince doing one and then Michael doing the other, and them kind of having this face off thing, and Prince, you know, they pitched the concept to him, and Prince listened to the demo, and he's like. 
this song's going to be a hit without me. I'm not going to do it. And he just didn't do it. He just didn't want to do wow. it. And, uh, <laughs> and so, again, uh, there's also a, col- a collaboration between uh, Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson that they wrote together. Uh, there were a couple songs they wrote together, and they never actually were able to to cut the song. So uh, I think later on, um, uh, Mick Jagger and uh, and Freddie Mercury cut that particular song. I can't remember what the name of it is. But I'm like, man, those two guys together would have been dynamic. I would have loved yeah. to have seen them on stage together. That would have been something else. But anyway, all that to say. Uh, and then after that, he came out with uh, the Dangerous album which had a few aggressive stuff, but again, he, that was where the, his Heal the World song was on and that Free Willy theme, Will You Be There? So it was very you know, sweet and whatever. Then his first uh, child molestation accusation happened. Gotcha. And he went through the whole process and the whole court case, and he came out of that just jaded and mad. And it came out in the next album, which was History, which was a Greatest Hits album. It was a two-part album, Greatest Hits, and then the second album was All New Material. And it is phenomenal. Angry Michael was the best Michael in terms of his voice, in terms of the rawness of the things he chose to write. And I have just been on a major kick. It's like I keep trying to think, oh, I need to move on and listen to something else. But I'm like, nope, going to listen to Angry Michael Jackson. And it has made me happy, oddly enough. Yeah. It's the season, apparently, for some reason. Anyway, there you no, go. I How think that's that for a thing. Yeah. I think that's uh, about uh, at, at an episode there. Yes, so. yes. One thing I will say. Uh, this may offend you, but as a tribute to Norm Macdonald, since he's just recently <laughs> passed, go out and look for, there is a, on YouTube, a 30 minute rant. And now I'm going to, I'm going to warn you, there's one clip of him at the beginning talking to Dennis Miller and Dennis Miller drops the F bomb for <laughs> no reason. And then they cut to this actual thing. So he was, uh, one of the early guys who did the weekend update on Saturday night live. Yeah. And he was the weekend update guy while the OJ Simpson trial was happening and he intentionally went after oj all the time during that season and he was actually told by upper management to stop doing the oj jokes and because he was norm mcdonald he just leaned in and did them all the much that much harder and yeah. would insert them in inexplicable places that made no was sense was it you that told me on saturday night live if you're performing this segment you're you helped write it Technically, the sketches. I don't know about that for Weekend Update. Okay, now, but I'm okay. I'm almost positive he had to have written on. He that. had to have helped yeah. write that to put um, to keep putting it in. Yeah, against. and and it may not be you wrote the full sketch, but you pitched the sketch, and right. so then you get with the writers and you flesh it out, whatever. Gotcha. But there is a half hour montage of him doing these O.J. Simpson jokes, literally thirty minutes of end after end after end of him just all spliced together, and they are gold no matter which side of the oj thing you sit on they're legitimately funny i mean regardless yeah um but i would highly recommend looking that up that'll give you a really good taste of who norm mcdonald is mcdonald is and what he does if you didn't know yeah. and the so. celebrity jeopardy ones for <laughs> yeah anyway offensive and funny yes they were turd ferguson turd ferguson was my favorite <laughs> it's a funny name yeah, yeah. it's a it's a funny name <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for putting up with our random ramblings. I have enjoyed them, and I hope you've enjoyed them, too. We will see you the next time we're here. Have a good one. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.